Okay, I'm going to need some help this morning. Um, anybody grade 5, grade 5th grade, up to 12th grade, if you'd be willing to help out by coming and taking one of these chairs, there's a scripture reading on each page, and when, when I come to it in my sermon, I'd like to turn to you and ask for some help reading that. So if you're willing, come on up, 5th grade, 6th grade, 7th grade, up to 12th grade, take a chair and a scripture reading. She took the long one, high five. All right. Is Reed still in the room? Can you say the Lord's Prayer in Chinese or anything like that? Yes, that's how we're going to end. That's how we're going to end. Okay. Okay, good, good. Well, we still got room for one more, 5th through 12th grader. Thank you. And I'll be calling on other folks to help me as we go. All right, everyone. Uh, I have up here on this easel a box. And the great thing about boxes are you can always tell where you are with a box. You're either in or you are out. All right? Every kids, help me out here. Where am I? Okay, wasn't that easy? Wasn't that easy? Now, some people think of the kingdom of God as a box in which you are either in or out. Like it's a land where it's a border. So people ask Jesus about this all the time. They said, Lord, uh, in the kingdom of God, how do I know if I'm in or how do I know if I'm out? So uh, someone read to us Matthew 19, 16. How about I'll... How about, you took the long one. You want to do an extra? Sure. Okay, great. Take that, and you put that almost right on your mouth. Go Can for we it. read the Matthew part? Go ahead, yeah. Matthew nineteen sixteen. Someone came to Jesus with this question. Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? Okay. Straightforward question. So, kids, let's go for a kid's question. Kids, what types of things do you think you should do if you want to have eternal life with Jesus and an eternal body on an eternal earth, what kind of things do you think you should do? Any kids? Go ahead. Tell the truth. That's a great one. Anyone else? You can just yell them out. You don't have to raise your hand. You can do that tomorrow. Oh, or Tuesday if you're staying out of school for the eclipse, which you should. Um, <laughs> anyone else? Anyone else? Kids, what kind of things should you do if you want to be in the kingdom of God? Help others. Help others. Wonderful. Tell the truth. Help others. Absolutely. Now, telling the truth sometimes can be hard, right, when you're trying to run games at camp and stuff like that. So, so let me ask you this question, kids. Show of hands. Show of hands. How many of you think people who want to enter the, enter the kingdom of God should not say bad words? How many of you think if you're following Jesus, you should not be cussing? How many kids agree with that? Of course, of course. Okay, put your hands down. Now, um, how many kids have heard your parents say bad words? Okay. Now, now, how many bad words are we talking? Do you have a number? A lot? A lot. A lot. Who, who else heard their parents say some bad words? Who else heard their parents? There were some over here, right? 
Who hurt? Which ones? No, don't, no, don't, don't, don't answer that. Don't answer that. Okay. Okay, let's, let's try to get it. Let's try to figure out if our parents are in or out then. All right. Let's try to figure out if our parents are in or out. Um, I need a number. I need a number. How many bad words can you say, kids, and still be part of the kingdom of God? How many do you think? How many? Two. Two. Okay. So two, ba- two bad words, you're still in. Third bad word, you are out. Is that what we're saying? Okay. Three, everyone, is the number. Some of you, I don't know why you bothered to sign up for camp. Three is the number. Okay. Three is the number. This is hard. Now, Jesus had a different way of talking about this in or out business and how to tell if you're in or out. So we're going to listen to a longer passage where someone was having an argument about how much bad stuff can we do, all right? So let's hear a long passage now from Mark chapter 12. Matthew 12, 28, 34. One of the teachers of the religious law was standing there listening to the debate. He realized Jesus had answered well, so he asked of all commandments, which is the most important. Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. Listen, or Israel. Israel, the Lord of Lord our God is the one and only Lord, and you must love the Lord, your God, with all your heart and your soul and your mind and all your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. Than these. The teacher of religious law replied, well, well said, teacher. You have spoken the truth by saying that there is only one God and no, ma- and no other. And I know it is important to love him with all my heart and, my under- and all my understanding and all my strength and to love my neighbor, myself, as myself. This is more important than to offer all of the burnt offerings and sacrifices required in the law. Realizing how much the man understood, Jesus said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. All right. Praise the Lord for this word, and and thank you for reading that. Now, after you read, you can sit down if you like, or if you want to stay up here, that qualifies you to be an elder someday in a charismatic church. All right. All right. So maybe something different's going on. Because you notice Jesus didn't say to the guy, oh, good, you're in the kingdom of God. You get it. He said, you're not far from the kingdom of God. That's interesting language. You're not far. So I want to suggest that maybe there's a different way of looking at this based on the language that Jesus uses in this answer, better than thinking of it as an in or out and, you know, two bad words, okay, but the third one, and it's done. What if it's more about near and far? 
near and far, okay? So I have a couple of karate students in the room. I don't know if they'll help me, but Jackson and Sawyer, would you guys help me for a moment? You don't have to. You don't want to, and you don't want to? No. All right. (laughs) Extra push-ups on Tuesday. All right. You want to help me out, Carson? No thanks. All right. No, we're done. All right. Well, near. Can anyone come near? Will anyone come near to me to show what near is? You are the best. All right. Near. Now, stay in the room, but now show us far. Very good. Very good. Thank you once again. What if the kingdom of God is about a person? In fact, what makes kingdoms are not borders. Every land has one. What makes a kingdom is the king. So what if the kingdom of God is about a person, Jesus? And, and, and rather than say you're in or out, he says you're near or you're far from the king. You're near or far from the king. So what if, what if Jesus is always trying to come near to us and we keep retreating far? And then some days we have days we go near. And then some days we retreat far again. Now, if we use this near-far thing, this is going to explain some stuff in the Bible that always causes little arguments. Let's, let's check this out. First, we don't have to count our naughty words anymore. I'm wondering if we're going over the limit. Okay? We just know this. When you're saying naughty words, you're going far. You're moving in a far direction. You know how we know that? Because Scripture tells us, I'm going to have two readers go in a row, and, would, and did I steal the mic or leave it? Good. Would, would you read to us from Ephesians 4 and then the other one from Ephesians 5? Ephesians 4. Obsense, stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes, these are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. Okay, and the other one? Do not use your foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. All right. Telling us how to come close with our words. So when you ask the question, how many bad words is too many for the kingdom of God? Now the answer should come back. I don't know. But I know that when I say them, I'm getting further away from whatever it is. And then I can repent. Oh, my goodness. Now, when I grew up, repent was kind of a scary church word. But I've since learned that repent at the time of the Bible in Greek was something everybody said, and it was a simple word that simply meant to turn around and go the other way. So if you're running out in the street in front of the Roman chariots, your mother would say, repent. So she just meant, <laughs> she just meant turn around and go the other way. And that's what repent means. And when I do then, if I was going far and I repent, now I'm coming close again. Now I'm coming close again. So if I get into fights at school and I'm hurting people, how many fights can I get in before I'm out of the kingdom of God? The answer should come back. I don't know. But I know the more fights I get into with my enemies, the more I'm moving farther away. You know how I know that? Because it says so in Matthew chapter 5. Somebody read that for us. But I say, do not, rest, do not resist an evil person. If somebody slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. 
You have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who prosecute you. And that way you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. Thank you. Now, we're talking about cussing and fighting at school because we've got five years old, olds in the room, right? <clears throat> what I really need everyone in junior high and older to be doing is writing your own sermon in your head about some more world-class sinning than that. Things that would, you could do with your own body. Things that you would do to other people. Things you would do to other people in society. Or things you wouldn't do. Good that you should do that you don't do. When we're talking about sin, I want you to think of these types of things. But we're going to keep it rated G here because we're all in the room together. Follow what we're doing? Someday, with these types of far behaviors, I may get... I need to do some arrows here. Here's a far... There's a near. I may get so far, so far, that I don't care whether I come back or not. That's the real dangerous sin. That my heart will get so far from Jesus that I don't miss him anymore. That's the real danger of sin. That I don't want to come back. Now, if we use near far instead of in and out, that's going to explain some other stuff. Um, that's going to explain how Jesus would tell these holy priests, these super religious guys who work day and night to dress right, walk right, talk right, eat right. They never said any naughty words. Um, Jesus would tell these guys, you are very far from the kingdom of God. And they'd get really angry. But he'd tell these super holy guys, you're very far from the kingdom of God. Well, this explains it. And also it explains uh, that how Jesus could tell a guy on a cross next to him that we call a thief, but the Greek word indicates he probably killed someone also. Jesus told this guy, today you're going to be with me in the kingdom of God. That guy's a murderer and a thief. Well, it's because the priest was arrogant and judgmental. And that attitude means he's headed this way. Read the Bible, guys, and you'll see Jesus is very hard on preachers, especially like me, if they think they're better than everyone else. That really gets on Jesus' skin, and he says, you're far from the kingdom of God. And that thief, although he probably killed someone, on the, on the cross in John, he says these words, I am getting what my sins deserve. Well, that's an apology. That's an apology. That's a recognition of what you've done. I bet if he could have gotten off that cross, he probably would have done something different. That's repenting. And an apology means that although he may be way out here, he's headed this way. And this is why accepting Jesus, being baptized, attending confirmation, being rededicated, learning about the scriptures is so important because it gets us all headed in the right direction no matter how near or far or in or out we think we are. This near far instead of in and out also explains why Jesus says what he says about judging other people. Can someone read to us Matthew chapter 7? Karina. Oh. <laughs> Matthew 7, 1 through 2. Do not judge others and you will not be judged, for you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. So judging others, we, we get confused on this. Judging others means you think of heaven, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of Christ eternally on earth. 
as a box of in or out, and you know who's in and who's out. Judging others is when you can say, I can tell by looking at you, you are out. And I can tell by myself that I am in. Okay, that's the very definition of judging others. So Jesus says, don't go there. Don't go there, because the truth is, none of us knows how far is too far and how close is close enough. Like some of these holy priests or or preachers like me, we might look close, but if you could see inside our angry, judgmental heart, you might actually find that we're moving quite a tick away. It also means that someone may look like a criminal, criminal or a drunk to you, but because they want to change and they love God and they love other people, that they actually are getting a little closer every day. And God sees into the heart and he knows this. I could let this guy in and everyone would probably say sure, but what they don't know is if he lives eternally, he's just going to keep moving far away. And nobody's going to want to be around that after 10,000 years. And this person, although everybody's saying, you're going to let that guy in? You're going to let that girl in? She's terrible. Jesus knows she's getting a little closer every day. And I give her an eternity worth of days. She's going to come right into that place we call in Christ. And only God knows these things. Only God knows these things. The Bible does not tell us how far is too far. So what's it good for? It tells us the types of things that get us close. So, so... And, and the types of things that move as far. So let's start out with this. Uh, anybody can answer this. Anybody can answer this. What are the types of things that move us far? What are some things you do that can move us far from God? Addiction. What's that? Addiction. Addiction can move us far. It, it's so powerful. Yes. Bad words. Bad words. We guess. Yeah, say that again. I want to get your words right. You've put a lot into that. Not denying the fact, I mean, denying the fact that God is real or... Yeah. Okay, he said denying the fact that God is real or engaging in the worship of things that are demonic. His word's not mine. Good stuff. Somebody's, somebody's doing some good stuff in your life. Yes, these types of things move us far. Let's not also forget ignoring the poor. Jesus had tons of stories. He said, that'll get you far away from God. Being cruel to children, he says a couple of times. Um, And you said it, acting like there is no God. Okay, now what are the types of things that if you repent and head back, move you closer? Let's do this side of the room. Anyone, anyone. The types of things that move you closer. What's that? Kindness moves you closer. Caring for the poor moves you closer. Asking for forgiveness moves you closer. Thank you. Being truthful makes you closer. You are taking all my bullet points and getting them done for me. Thank you. (laughs) Yes, you guys covered all the three. I want to make sure we got in there. Excellent. All right. You see in the difference between near, far, and in, out? And how? Well, let's keep going. Now let's talk about hell. That's right, the hell talk. If you don't talk about hell, you didn't come to church camp. <laughs> I don't want you guys going home and meeting your other Christian friends. Say, they, they talk about hell, and, and you say no, and then they go, oh, okay. One of those kind of church camps. So let's get it on here. 
You move far from God, right? Let's say this is your story. You're moving far from God. How far? I don't know. Really, really far. And then the scriptures say that Jesus comes and he separates the sheep from the goats and he says to some, uh, enter in to your eternal reward and your master's happiness. And then it says he says to others, you'll be banished to an outer darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. How do those people get out there? How do we make sure that's not us? To answer that question, I want to tell you a story. So this story comes from a Jason Michelli. He's a pastor at Aldersgate United Methodist, Alexandria, Virginia. He says, at the beginning of my ministry, I worked for a couple of years as a chaplain at a maximum security prison in Trenton, New Jersey. I enjoyed it. In a lot of ways, the gospel makes more sense in places like that than anywhere else. So kids, you see what this guy's doing in his story? He's a preacher, but on the weekends, he goes to a prison where the worst criminals in the world are held, and he tells them about Jesus to see if they would like to turn and start going a better direction. He says, but I didn't enjoy everything about the job. Part of my routine every week was to visit and counsel the inmates in solitary confinement. Any teenagers tell us what solitary confinement is? Yes, back here. Yes. You do really bad stuff. You're put in a room by yourself with no one else. Yeah. Yeah, for years sometimes. He says, it was a sticky, hot, dark wing of the prison. Unlike the rest of the prison, the solitary wing was as silent as a tomb. Whenever I think of hell, I think of that place. But not for the reason you might expect. When I visited solitary, the officer on duty was almost always a 50-something sergeant named Moore. Whenever I visited solitary, he'd buzz me in uh, only after I refused to go away. I hated going there because every time I did, he'd greet me with ridicule. He'd grumble things like, save your breath, preacher, you're wasting your time. He'd grumble things like, do you know what these people did? They don't deserve forgiveness. He's from New Jersey, right? He'd grumble things like, they only listen to you because they got nobody else. Once when we gathered for a worship service, I invited Officer Moore to join us. He grumbled that he'd have nothing to do with a God who'd had anything to do with trash like them. Instead, he just stood outside with his arm crossed. About halfway through my time at the prison, Officer Moore suffered a near-fatal heart attack. In fact, he was dead for several minutes before the rescue squad revived him. I know this because when he returned to work, he told me. He tried to throw it in my face. It's all a sham, he grumbled. I was dead for three minutes dead. And you know what I experienced? Nothing. I didn't see any bright light at the end of any tunnel. It was just darkness. Your God, all make-believe. Even though I don't put much stock in the light at the end of the tunnel cliche, that didn't stop me from saying, maybe you should take that as a warning. Maybe there's no light at the end of the tunnel for you. He grumbled. He said, don't tell me you believe in hell. What makes you think I wouldn't believe in hell, I said. 
Do you actually believe in it, he asked, as if I'd surprised him for the first time. Well, Jesus talks about hell, I said, more than the rest of the Bible all combined. Oh, and since I don't believe in your Jesus, then I'm going to hell. Is that it? He pushed his chair back, fussed with his collar. He seemed suddenly very uncomfortable. When Jesus talks about hell, I said, he doesn't say anything about unbelief. It'd be easier if he did. Jesus talks about hell. He talks about people with contempt toward their neighbors, religious people who are gossips and hypocrites, people who refuse to help those in need, those kinds of people. See what he's doing there? He's telling about all the far behaviors. I've got a book you should read sometime, I said, and I walked through the first cell. A few days after our conversation about hell, I left in Officer Moore's mailbox a copy of the book by C.S. Lewis, The Great Divorce. Okay, any kids here know who C.S. Lewis is? Who's C.S. Lewis? Yeah, Chronicles of Narnia is what you know. How many of you guys read Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe or had it read to you? All right, those are the good families. I got a copy in my office if you want to get back on your close track. But he also wrote Christian uh, books for adults. This one's a fable about, hello, about the residents of hell taking a bus trip to heaven. They're given the option to stay there, but one by one choose to turn and go back. I had highlighted some text for Officer Moore, hoping he, we could talk about it the next time I saw him. Specifically, I highlighted these words. This is C.S. Lewis. Hell begins with a grumbling mood, always complaining, always blaming others, but you're still distinct from it, your grumbling mood. You can even criticize it in yourself and wish you could stop. But there may come a day when you can no longer. There will be no you left to criticize the mood or even enjoy it. But just the grumble itself going on and on forever like a machine. It's not a question of God sending us to hell. In each of us there is something growing which will be hell unless it is nipped in the bud. In the end, there will only be two kinds of people. Those who say to God, your will be done. And those to whom God will say, your will be done. I left the book in his mailbox. A week later, I went to solitary to see if he wanted to talk. As always, he refused to buzz me in, but this time when I mentioned I was there to talk to him, he didn't give in. He would not let me in. I asked, did you read the book? Not saying anything, he got up and walked to the entrance door. His body was one big snarl. He slid the book between the bars. Whole lot of nonsense, he grumbled at me. And then he told me to go the hell away. One bad word. <laughs> Here's what Jesus wants you to realize in this life and the next. Hell is a prison where the doors are locked from the inside. Get it? 
It's not a place God locks you into. It's a place you lock yourself into by letting your heart get so far from him that you don't care about coming back. But Jesus came, it says, to break down the gates of hell and bring out everyone who wants to come home and bring them home. God is a rescuer. But if you want, you can lock the door and you can tell him to go away. Whole lot of nonsense. Whole lot of nonsense. Here's the good news, everyone. If you're not one big grumble yet, then there's still hope. If you still value loving God, loving others, following Jesus, eternal life, you can turn right now, no matter where you are, and start back this way. Laying down all those things in your life that are about being far and taking up all those things that are about being near. And that's good news. Amen? Amen. Let's thank our readers and Jason. Take us out. <laughs>